Hey everyone, I'm back. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. And it's Los Mung. I can't tell you how happy. I, I think I speak for both me and Dan to say how happy we are to have you back. Yeah, you know, I was, uh, I was questionable for this week, but I ended up suiting up. <laughs> yeah, sort of like uh, George Kittle, huh? Yeah, not so much there, and uh, hopefully he'll be back next week for uh, a couple teams of mine, and I'm sure many out there. It was, uh, it's been quite a week. I actually did get back, and uh, I was able to watch most of the games this past week, and the only one last week that you guys talked about that I actually watched a bit of was New England at Baltimore. And that did not disappoint, I'm sure, even from across the pond. Uh, what a great game cross the pond i wasn't in london <laughs> i don't think well, you can say that with the pacific ocean <laughs> i just said it i can say it anywhere i darn well please all right fair enough but uh it was actually pretty funny we we took a break and we were watching it in um a park in japan for a little while and uh they just had a screen floating in the middle of a park no i i streamed it on my phone oh okay and um, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, my girlfriend was saying that she thought number one Jacksonville was a college team, <laughs> and they, you know, they basically were for the past few years. So that makes sense, right? Exactly. And then two, she forgot that Cincinnati existed, which also makes sense. <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh, that makes that makes quite a bit of sense too. Yeah, but uh, certainly a good matchup we got going tonight. Uh, still in the first quarter right now as we're recording, but uh, should be a great game. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, let's kick it off with our Gillette Close Shave of the week then. And this week, Patrick Mahomes returning was supposed to be a relief to Chiefs fans, but while Mahomes shined in his first game back against the Titans, it wasn't quite enough to get the job done on the road. On the other side of the ball here, Derrick Henry gashed the Chiefs time and again for big chunks of yardage, looking unstoppable. Over the course of the game, Henry carried the ball 23 times for 188 yards and two touchdowns, including a monster 68-yard touchdown run in the third quarter as he plowed through defenders and broke away. Along with a clean game from Ryan Tannehill, Henry did enough on the ground to allow the Titans to squeak out a home upset against a fearsome Kansas City team with their star quarterback back from injury. Get your close shave like Derrick Henry with Gillette. There's a best for every man. Get $3 off your first order when you create an account using the code WELCOME3. And try Gillette's new heated razor, providing comfort with every stroke. Yeah, Derrick Henry, he played like a madman, like a man with his hair on fire, like a man who had a heated razor in his back pocket or something like that. I don't know. He's a top five running back across all uh, across most scoring formats right now, but that oh, it's just frustrating when they get down. He's such a good back, but they just don't lean on him the way they ought to sometimes. Yeah, and especially now it seems that um, Ryan Tannehill certainly uh, is pretty mobile himself, so really just not a whole lot of need to check it down. That's absolutely true. All right, shall we lead into some game uh, game recaps? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, feels good to jump back in, shake off the rust here. There we go. All right, this Thursday, Thursday Night Football, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Pittsburgh gets the short week to prepare for Cleveland, and their defense is really keeping them in these games, getting them these wins. Uh, James Washington led the team with six catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. 
could have had a second touchdown and lost a fumble, so actually a fairly disappointing game. He really came through later with that touchdown. Uh, next up was Deontay Johnson, 4 of 6 for 64. And then way down the line, Juju Smith-Schuster, three catches on six targets, only 44 yards. Cleveland's secondary is their strength, and Mason Rudolph is Pittsburgh weak, Pittsburgh's weakness. Uh, Juju is, at best, a wide receiver, too, with limited upside. I, I, I can't. I hate trying to bench him, but... I mean, he's really closer to wide receiver three right now. And I certainly can't get behind the other two wide receivers probably at any point this season. Uh, Jalen Samuels led running backs, 14 carries, 29 yards and three catches. And James Conner is expected to be back this week. But if not, uh, Jalen Samuels will be a uh, running back two again in in Cleveland. Right. It certainly does sound like Pittsburgh expects Conner to be back, in which case uh, I do like him as a mid-range RB2 here with Cleveland easier to attack on the ground than through the air. And uh, the Browns secondary is stiffened a bit as they've gotten healthy. This is going to be a tough matchup for both quarterbacks in this game, and I'd probably avoid Rudolph as just a low-end QB2 here. Wouldn't expect a whole lot of production through the air. Uh, I have Juju as a high-end wide receiver three. As you said, I certainly don't think he's a must-start at this point. Rudolph seems very content to spread the ball around here, Um, but certainly he's the best option of the three. I've got Deontay Johnson as a wide receiver four and Washington a wide receiver five despite the touchdown. And I can't imagine trusting Vance McDonald either. Despite getting seven targets against the Rams, he continues to have issues with drops. Uh, He caught just three for 11 yards against the Rams. He's a low-end tight end two here if you're desperate. The Browns got that unlikely win behind two Baker Mayfield touchdowns and uh, 20 carries, 116 yards on the ground for Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt, we saw his return. He saw contributing four carries for 30 yards and seven catches on nine targets, 44 yards receiving. With some fresh legs, he could be a flex option going forward here. Uh, Nick Chubb's a high-end running back, too, here, I think, because of Kareem Hunt. He is uh, the clear running back, too. Uh, Kareem Hunt is putting Dontrell Hilliard out of any action here, not really taking away from Chubb's um, playing time or anything, but I do think it puts a ding in Chubb's upside just because Hunt can get those chunk yards and more scores, uh, more so than Dontrell Hilliard's uh, skill set can get him. Jarvis Landry caught nine catches on 10 targets, 97 yards, and a touchdown with Odell Beckham going just 5 of 12 for 57 yards. Uh, Pittsburgh is a tough secondary. Odell Beckham's a wide receiver, too. And Landry's just a wide receiver, three. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick has chained changed this Pittsburgh secondary completely. T.J. Watt is a very hungry man, so he's going to try and visit that uh, Baker, Baker Mayfield, early and often. Yep, I would expect uh, him to get a few bites out of Mayfield here. I've got Mayfield as just a low on QB2, although I'd probably still have him a spot or two ahead of Rudolph. The big story here is Kareem Hunt taking away some touches in the passing game. While Hunt only had four carries against Buffalo to Chubb's 20, he still out-targeted Chubb with nine targets in the passing game compared to Chubb's four. And even though Pittsburgh is tough to run on, uh, I've got Chubb as just a low on RB1 this week. Uh, Hunt remains a viable flex option PPR given his involvement in the passing game, though. And while Pittsburgh's defense has been excellent, uh, I would agree with you that I would rank Beckham as a mid-range wide receiver too here, given Mayfield's commitment now to targeting him regardless of matchup, and Landry as a wide receiver three with plenty of targets of his own. This is a 50-50 call here with the AFC North divisional matchup, but assuming James Conner is back, I will lean Pittsburgh by a little bit. I will take Pittsburgh either way. 
Uh, kicking off the Sunday games, 1 p.m. Eastern, of course. No no craziness in London or Mexico this week. Uh, Dallas at Detroit. Dallas gets the Lions after their loss to the Vikings, and everybody should be fine here. Dak threw for three touchdowns against Minnesota. I'd spot him for two touchdowns here in Detroit as quarterback one. Amari Cooper caught 11, uh, 11 receptions, 147 yards, and, t- and a touchdown with Michael Gallup adding four of 10, 76 yards and a touchdown. And Randall Cobb had his own six of eight, 106 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Zeke had a tough day, but you don't really have a better option at running back. So it's a moot point. Sometimes bad things happen to uh, to good running backs. Um, of course, Mari Cooper's uh, top five wide receiver week to week. And Michael Gallup is a uh, wide receiver, too, here in Detroit. Well, there actually is a game in Mexico this week, but it's Monday night oh. at the normal time, so nothing oh, wow. that impacts the uh, Sunday morning schedule. Oops. <laughs> no, that's fine. I understood what you were trying to say. Um, no need to wake up early on Sunday morning, certainly. That's right. But uh, not a whole lot to add here uh, for Dallas. You're starting Prescott, Cooper. Uh, Minnesota's tough against the run, and Dallas failed to really get Elliott involved much as a receiver, just running him stubbornly up the gut for those little gains, but Elliott should be just fine. I like him rebounding here. Got him as a mid-range RB1 despite that down day against the Vikings. And then Randall Cobb's been far more involved lately with eight targets each uh, since Dallas's bye. Uh, both he and Gallup are viable starts here. I've got Gallup as a mid-range wide receiver three and Cobb as a low-end flex. And then I like Witten to rebound here as well against a pretty soft Detroit secondary. I've got him as a high-end tight end two. Although you have to wonder if uh, at some point Blake Jarwin is going to get some more snaps. He's probably the better playmaker at this point at tight end. Matt Stafford was a late scratch this week. Uh, we really didn't hear anything until Saturday with uh, an apparent fracture in one of his backbones. Uh, we're going to need some more news to come out to really know much more about this. Uh, Jeff Driscoll got the start against the Bears and held it relatively close, losing just 13-20. to 20. They get Dallas now, and this is going to be tough again. Uh, I'm not messing with this quarterback or the pile of running backs that they're throwing out there. Uh, the wide receivers went 3 of 9, 57 yards and a touchdown for Kenny Galladay. 5 of 6, 77 yards for Marvin Jones, so plenty of targets for their top two options there. Galladay is a wide receiver too here, and Jones remains a flex play with plenty of risk. Right. Supposedly it's a transverse process fracture, which uh, apparently as bad as it sounds, a lot of quarterbacks who have had this injury only miss one or two games. Um, Most notably, Tony Romo had this a few years back, and he was able to play through it slash only missed uh, one week. So hopefully Stafford will be okay here. Um, And if not, then Jeff Driscoll is to be avoided for sure. But if Stafford plays, he's not a terrible mid-range QB2 at home here. Uh, Ty Johnson may or may not be out this week with a concussion. If he plays, Johnson is a PPR flex and McKissick a running back four. But if Johnson is out, then I would elevate McKissick to a flex play. Um, he's getting the receptions, which, as we know, in PPR formats will get you a few points here and there. If uh, Driscoll starts, I would probably downgrade both of the wide receivers. Uh, Galladay, just a high-end wide receiver three. And Jones, just a low-end flex. But if Stafford does start here, I would bump him up a little bit. I would have Galladay as a low-end wide receiver two and Jones a mid-range wide receiver three. And out of all these receivers, Hawkinson might actually be the best play here regardless of the quarterback. Uh, Driscoll targeted him six times against Chicago, and Dallas is giving up the sixth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. And case in point, uh, we have Kyle Rudolph's two-touchdown game on Sunday night. 
if you're the Austin Hooper owner, sure, I'd buy in, but I don't know. I want to see Hawkinson string two games together at least. This guy drops more uh, passes than he catches. Yeah, not not uh, you know a must start tight end one by any means, but uh, given the state of tight ends out there, uh, you could do worse than Hawkinson this week. I like him as an upside tight end too. Pretty bleak, pretty bleak. Uh, I'm going to take Dallas here uh, on the road, of course. Yeah, I'm going to take Dallas as well, despite losing to the Vikings on that horrific play call late in the game. <laughs> Jacksonville at Indianapolis. Jacksonville comes back from London and from their bye week to find the Colts. Uh, this is likely going to be the return of Nick Foles, and I'm mildly concerned for the changes this team's going to see. Uh, Leonard Fournette has been a running back one with all the passing work, but is Foles going to look his way? Uh, the Colts allow tons of receptions to the running back, so I certainly hope so. He's still a back on running back one for me. Uh, you're certainly not benching DJ Chark, uh, but hopefully he maintains wide receiver two or better status here in a good matchup. And maybe D.D. Westbrook has some better days to come. In the preseason, a lot of people were talking of D.D. Westbrook with a connection with Nick Foles. Uh, so we're just going to have to see what Foles can do on the field now. Um, I'd really only start Fournette and Chark, though, and expect uh, Foles to have a little bit of rust coming back to the field. Right, just a lot of risk here if you're going to start any Jaguars players in fantasy. I do have Chark downgraded to a wide receiver three until we see how that target share shakes out in Foles' first game back. Um, I certainly like Fournette as well as a low-end RB1 here with upside. I've got both Westbrook and Conley as high-end wide receiver fours, and even though I'd rank Foles as a mid-range QB2, it's probably best to avoid starting him in one-quarterback leagues until we see him shake off that rust. Indianapolis just lost to the Dolphins, which is completely mind-boggling to me, as well as the oddsmakers in Vegas and every city across the universe. Uh, Kobe Brissett should be back this week, it's looking like, for the matchup against the Jaguars. Hopefully he's going to bring T.Y. Hilton with him. Uh, Brian Hoyer was just not good. Three interceptions to the Dolphins' defense. Uh, the tight ends leading uh, led the team in receiving there. Ebron with 5 of 12, 56 yards. Jack Doyle, 3 of 4, 44 yards in the touchdown. Zach Pascal and Carlos Rogers both had only two catches apiece. T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal should be decent options if here. Uh, Pascal as a flex if Hilton is still out. And Brian Hoyer continues to show his propensity to throw to the tight end. So if he's there, both have some risk-reward to them, especially against a Jaguars team who funnels to the tight end. Marlon Mack was a workhorse with Jordan Wilkins injured, rushing 19 carries for just 74 yards and one catch. He's a running back two against Jacksonville, but if he could ever get break free, then he has that uh, that Derrick Henry-type upside that we saw out of him this week. He does have that type of upside, and I'm pretty high on Mac as a player, but not this week. It's pretty tough to run on Jacksonville, especially if yeah. T.Y. Hilton's out again. Uh, nobody to really keep the secondary honest. Uh, creeping up there into the box, it sounds like the Colts are optimistic that Brissett will return, as you said, but uh, the reports on Hilton aren't quite as optimistic. I'm not sure he's going to be back here. Uh, assuming Brissett returns, I would probably sit him against the Jaguars without Hilton. Uh, and I actually think Jacksonville might lead the way here with Fournette chewing up some clock. I would avoid Mac as just a mid-range RB3 this week in a poor matchup where they might need to play catch-up again, and that's when uh, Mac kind of gets game-scripted out for Naeem Hines. Uh, I do still like both tight ends here, even with Brissett back. Uh, both Ebron and Doyle, I think, are viable mid-range tight end twos, assuming they continue getting added targets with Hilton out. And there was a report that Ebron talked to the coaching staff last week about his usage as a receiver, and the result was a season-high 23 snaps from the slot. I like Ebron quite a bit uh, as a decent tight end play if this continues here. 
I'm going to go with a triumphant return for Nick Foles here uh, and take Jacksonville fresh off their bye. Uh, I think that could happen, but I'm actually going to go with Frank Reich making a few uh, close statistical-based decisions and uh, coming away with the win in in what's going to be a close one for Indianapolis. All right, Buffalo at Miami. Buffalo's offense didn't really show up for Cleveland, uh, losing 16 to 19 behind two Josh Allen rushing touchdowns and 260 passing yards. He still managed uh, 20 plus points, and he should be good for about that. Miami yet again, Uh, five of 77. For John Brown receiving, and he's a solid as he's solid as anybody as a wide receiver too right now, um, especially in Miami. And Devin Singletary was held to just eight carries, forty-two yards, and three catches uh, to five carries, twelve yards, and one catch for Frank Gore. This is Singletary's backfield right now. He's a running back too with some upside in Miami, but this offense just doesn't score as many points as you'd like to see. I don't know if this is necessary, Singletary's backfield per se. Uh, he's you know getting more touches now than Gore, but he got eight carries compared to five for Gore, and then Gore still got the goal line touches here. Uh, though Singletary was more involved as a receiver with seven targets. So even though he's the starter, quote-unquote, I, I still see this as a 1A, 1B type situation. I've got Singletary as a high-end RB3. Gore is a mid-range flex, so not super far apart this week. Um, this is hardly a gimme with the Bills having struggled against Miami in their first matchup a few weeks ago. Uh, that said, they were sluggish coming off of their bye week, and I would still start Allen with confidence here as a low-end QB1. John Brown I've got as a high-end wide receiver 3, Cole Beasley a low-end flex. And as for Dawson Knox, he finally got a career-high 6 targets against Cleveland. He might not be worth starting just yet, but he's an upside tight end 2 this week and could be a factor rest of the season. If his targets continue to increase, he's certainly a dynamic playmaker in space. Miami pulled off that wind in India, a win in Indianapolis, and uh, they get tough, tough Buffalo defense. Now, uh, this is not a week I'd certainly toy with any Dolphins players. The Buffalo's defensive strength is the pass defense, and the best option was really Devontae Parker, who this week had 5 of 10, 69 yards, leading the team. Um, he's going to get shut down here. I would certainly not roll him out there. Kalen Balaj was held to 20 carries, 43 yards, and 4 catches. He has a little bit of upside against Buffalo as a running back 3. Uh, I, I think he's a solid flex play this week as they look to find uh, figure out who is going to be the backup running back there. Uh, Laird only had two carries. Right. I don't know how much it matters. <laughs> right. Um, as for the quarterback, though, uh, not that I'm trusting him this week, but Fitzpatrick actually had a nice game against Buffalo the last time they met. Uh, I still only have him as a mid-range QB2 this week, but not the worst start if you need him. And then with Preston Williams on IR, I expect Parker to see a lot of Tredavious White, although Parker's heavy target volume keeps him in play. He'll be a high-end wide receiver four, maybe even a low-end wide receiver three. Uh, Balage, he's been inefficient, but continues to dominate those touches, so his touch volume keeps him in play as a flex in PPR here. And I know you and Dan uh, last week on the podcast discussed Mike Gesicki. Uh, as a potential option at tight end for the rest of the season, given Miami's schedule. And I do think he's intriguing. Uh, He's quickly becoming Fitzpatrick's number two target now behind Parker with Williams out. However, this week I would avoid Gesicki uh, with Buffalo's defense very stout against opposing tight ends here. And even though the Miami Dolphins are finally showing some signs of life on a two-game win streak, I'm still going to go with Buffalo. I'm sticking with Buffalo as well. Denver at Minnesota. Denver got the week off to prepare for the Vikings, and this is going to be a tough matchup for this offense. 
Uh, Lindsey and Freeman are flex plays. I'm not necessarily buying the big plays that saved Brandon Allen's day last week, meaning I'm avoiding Noah Fant, not expecting him to scamper free for 70 yards and breaking tackles easily. And uh, Cortland Sutton's just an upside wide receiver three, saving his day with that uh, really, really athletic, nice play coming over with his arms to snag the ball out of the defender's hands. Uh, unless he proves it this week, though. If, if he proves it this week, then he's a weekly wide receiver, too, for me. I agree with most of what you just said about Denver, uh, uh, but outside of Noah Fant, I, I wouldn't expect another huge touchdown off the poor tackling, like you said. Uh, Minnesota's certainly a lot better at those fundamentals, but it's possible that Fant's going to continue to emerge as that number two target behind Cortland Sutton with Emmanuel Sanders now in San Francisco. I think that Fant is in play this week as a boomer bust tight end, too. All right, he certainly has the pedigree. Uh, the Vikings got a nice win versus Dallas and get that tough Denver matchup here. Uh, the lines, This lines up to be an avoid type of game for the most part, I think, with Chris Harris Jr. set up to shut down Stephon Diggs um, and Thielen possibly still out, which of course means Diggs is probably going to blow up for three touchdowns because he's just that kind of player. Uh, truly, though, I'd avoid him as a back-end wide receiver, too, if possible. If you don't have better options, what can you do? Uh, Dalvin Cook is a weekly top five running back. 97 yards rushing and touchdown, seven catches, 86 yards to lead the team. And Kyle Rudolph caught two really nice touchdowns. Uh, I'm not really a touchdown chaser, but with Austin Hooper getting an MRI on his knee, us not knowing what's going on with uh, George Kittle, the tight end position is slim. Denver tends to uh, filter some production that way, especially to non-elite tight end types that get ignored by the defense. Of course, that also means that it's probably going to be a huge day for Irv Smith, right? Yeah, I definitely wouldn't expect another two-touchdown day for Rudolph, much like Fant on the other side, but he remains a viable high-end tight end, too, given his increased targets with Thielen out. Uh, it doesn't sound super optimistic that Thielen will return this week. Uh, other than that, not a whole lot to add to what you said here, but I do still like Cousins. I've got him as a mid-to-high-end QB, two with some upside here despite a tough matchup at home. And I'm going to take Minnesota at home, mostly because I trust Cousins to turn the ball over less than Brandon Allen in this one. Sure, especially at noon, not in those uh, primetime lights. I'm going to take Minnesota as well. New Orleans at Tampa Bay. Oof. Uh, Breeze was sacked by Atlanta six times when they had seven total tackles or sacks uh, earlier in the season uh, in their combined uh eight games or nine games, uh, no touchdowns thrown here, but he does get that juicy Tampa Bay road matchup. And I think he bounces back to quarterback one consideration with Michael Thomas, a solid wide receiver one after another week of 13 catches, 152 yards and Jared cook going six of 10 for 74 yards. He's a decent stream play too at the tight end. Alvin Kamara is a weekly running back one, despite the very tough Tampa Bay matchup. He sees enough receptions to not really have to worry about him too much. Uh, obviously, this past game was not the blowout that everybody expected for the Saints. Uh, so Latavius Murray was an afterthought. I'd avoid him this week as well against Tampa Bay, but uh, I do expect the Saints to get back on track here. Yeah, I'm going to chalk up that loss to Atlanta as a fluke game. Uh, Payton's going to get his guys back on track this week. Some protections for Debris, give him enough time to slice up this Tampa Bay secondary. And not a whole lot to add to what you said here. Uh, I would start your Saints with confidence, even despite that down game for everybody not named Thomas or Cook. Tampa Bay eked past the Cardinals and uh, get the Saints here, which is a much tougher defensive matchup. Um, but Tampa's known to surprise here and there. Jameis is an upside quarterback, too. 
Uh, the wide receivers were productive enough, though, of course, disappointing with Evans going just four of six for 82 yards. Godwin, six of 12 for 72 yards, a little less than you'd like for two guys that are touted as wide receiver ones every week. And O.J. Howard caught four catches, 47 yards and a touchdown. Uh, pretty uncovered on that play. It was actually sort of silly to watch what the de- defense was trying to do there. Uh, practically nothing. That was his best game of the year so far, though, of course, against that Arizona defense, which is dreadful against tight ends. Uh, Ronald Jones caught eight passes for 77 yards, which I think uh, tops his career highs in high school, college, uh, certainly the NFL. Uh, on top of 11 carries, 29 yards and a touchdown. I'm not sure what to make of it. I don't think it's going to keep going forward. I'd certainly like to see it happen twice before I ever talk about him as a running back, too, especially because Peyton Barber had that goal line touchdown from the one-yard line um, and had the same amount of carries as Ronald Jones. Uh, Jones is just an upside running back three. The wide receivers are must-starts as uh, wide receiver twos or better. Um, I guess it's worth monitoring to see if Marshawn Lattimore suits up on the other side of the football, but... It's not like you're sitting either of these guys, regardless. Uh, and I'm avoiding OJ Howard. No, I, you, you're not. You're not sitting Evans or Godwin. But I, I will add that I'm a little bit nervous here as an Evans owner if he faces up against Lattimore. Still got him as a wide receiver too, but uh, I may uh, may have Godwin over him in the rankings by a little bit due to the matchups here. Um, I'm sure Sean Payton is going to uh, yell a little bit at his defense for giving up so much to Atlanta. And uh, as for O.J. Howard, I'm not trusting him yet until we see him produce against a team not named the Arizona Cardinals, as <laughs> New Orleans is tough against the tight end, whereas the Cardinals are basically a pushover. Uh, it, you know, crazy things happen in these divisional matchups. We've seen Tampa Bay upset New Orleans before. It wouldn't shock me if the Buccaneers pull a second straight upset against the Saints, but I'm not going to bet on it. I will take New Orleans. I will do the same. The New York Jets at the Washington Redskins. Sam Darnold uh, gets Washington after that loss against the the Giants. And he, he's a decent stream here, actually, after two touchdown day, one on the ground, one in the air. Uh, Jameson Crowder was the top wide receiver, 5 of 6, 81 yards and a touchdown. Not bit far behind was Demarius Thomas, 6 of 9, 84 yards, while Robbie Anderson had just one catch in that matchup. Uh, not looking good. Chris Herndon was, uh, was pretty bad in his return. Better days are ahead, but... Probably not this week, as it looks like. I, I think I read that he had a cracked rib or something along those lines. Le'Veon Bell was limited to just uh, 18 carries, 34 yards, but did plow in a touchdown and had three catches. Um, he's like a low-end running back one week to week. Right. And Le'Veon Bell had a rib injury, but it sounds minor. He's expected to play through it this week. I've got him as a high-end RB2. In other news, uh, I'm done with Robbie Anderson. He's yeah. uh, He's droppable as of right now until we see something, anything from him. Uh, I don't know if it's an injury that we don't know about or something, but it's just uh, he's not producing. And uh, instead, I've, I like Jameson Crowder. I've got him as a mid-range wide receiver three with us, with some upside with the revenge game narrative here. And then Demarius Thomas, too, has been uh, fairly consistent. I've got him as a wide receiver four with upside. Uh, as you said, uh, Chris Herndon, he has the rib fracture, and really, ugh, we, we've been waiting on him for so long just to get disappointed with this. So he's, uh, you know, drop him back to the free agent waiver pool. Uh, hopefully you didn't have all your tight ends in one basket and you've got some other options out there than Herndon. Certainly a horrible week for the tight end position. Uh, Washington got through their bye week and get an e- easy defensive matchup, but 
do, do we really care? Uh, Adrian Peterson is the only plausible play here, and only if Darius Geis is not playing. I'd avoid Geis and Peterson uh, in Geis's first week back. Uh, no idea what's in store there. And Terry's scary days are behind him as long as Dwayne as long as Dwayne Haskins has the ball in his hands. And coaching did today say that uh, Dwayne Haskins will be the starter for the rest of the year. So um, I I hope you weren't banking too much on him. I I think I'm a little bit more optimistic about McLaurin than you are. Uh, I've still got him as Sounds a wide like receiver it. three <laughs> in a good matchup. Uh, my hope, I know Haskins has been really disappointing, but, you know, he's been named the starter for the rest of the season. And my hope is that, you know, with the extra bye week to get a little bit more comfortable in the offense, maybe get some extra first team reps this week. Uh, perhaps he's a little bit more efficient now. Uh, even a little bit of efficiency would be just fine for McLaurin in the, a pretty good matchup against his Jets secondary. And at running back, I guess Peterson would be my preferred running back four. Uh, maybe he can t- punch in a touchdown close to the goal line, but we really just don't know how this usage is going to shake out in this committee, especially if Chris Thompson is back healthy too. Just a lot of uh, and just a lot of inconsistency in terms of the running backs here. I'm going to take the Jets, but who knows what will happen between two bad teams. It could go either way. Yeah, a lot of incompetence on both sides of the football. Um, I usually lean uh, home here, but but I think the Jets come out with this one for some reason. I don't know, just sort of feeling that. Uh, Atlanta at Carolina. Atlanta pulled off the upset in New Orleans with that defense looking great, actually, bringing tons of pressure on Drew Brees. Matt Ryan goes into Carolina, should be a fine quarterback one after an okay day against that tough New Orleans defense. Devontae Freeman left the game, leaving Brian Hill with the rushing job. Of course, Ito Smith was put on the IR earlier. Um, they were both pretty well contained for just about three yards of carry. Neither looked very good here. Julio's going to be uh, returning to wide receiver one status and Ridley to an upside wide receiver three or back end um, tight uh, wide receiver two. Austin Hooper did catch another touchdown, but then uh, he's having that imaging of his knee and we are not certain what uh, what's going on with him just yet, I think. Um, oh, nope, I'm wrong. He did have an MCL sprain uh, a la Jacoby Brissett, so he's definitely out this week, if not longer. Uh, Freeman's expected to be out about two weeks with his toe injury, so it really just sort of leaves the offense for those two wide receivers and Brian Hill. Yeah, and I think really, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough game for Atlanta, missing two of their playmakers on offense and Freeman and Hooper. I have Hill worth starting as a high-end RB3 with some RB2 upside. Um, Oh, for sure. I mean, this is a Carolina defense that's much easier to run on than to throw on. Uh, but, you know, with Hooper out, maybe Russell Gage gets a few more targets. Maybe he could be startable in fantasy as a wide receiver five, though certainly uh, you're not touching him in shallower formats. And then Julio, you're starting, of course. And I'm not quite as high on Ridley here. Carolina is pretty tough, so I've got him as a boomer bust flex option. And then with the news... Of Hooper and Freeman both out, I have downgraded Matt Ryan a little bit to just a mid-range QB2 this week. Uh, Carolina's defense has been playing pretty well. I don't know. Last week, I, I, you were you were in Japan. I, Carolina's defense was pretty terrible, and Bradbury didn't play this past week, and I think he may be out here with a hamstring as well. I, I just I think Atlanta is really mi- going to miss the fact that they don't have Mohamed Sanu anymore. Yeah, I I think that, you know, outside of San Francisco and Green Bay, though, you know, the Panthers' defense have still been pretty well, have been playing pretty well. Yeah, but they had Bradbury before that. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, The Panthers get that uh, that easy Atlanta defensive matchup 
typically, uh, who knows what we're going to see going forward. I, I think they probably come back to earth and then Dan Quid uh, gets back on his trajectory of job loss in the next coming weeks. Uh, Kyle Allen continues to look solid. I think he's actually a solid stream here if you really need him at home. DJ Moore went 9 of 11, 120 yards to Curtis Samuels, 4 of 35, and at 4 for 35 on a touchdown. And Greg Olson uh, had a solid day, 8 of 10, 98 yards. I like them all here. Actually, Moore is a low-end wide receiver one versus Atlanta. Samuel is an upside wide receiver three, and Olsen is a solid tight end stream. Christian McCaffrey, of course, has running back one overall upside here after another stellar 20-carry, 108-yard, and touchdown day with six catches on top. So if he uh, goes off and scores four touchdowns, of course, that would steal all value from everybody else. (laughs) Certainly not out of the realm of possibility, as we've seen with McCaffrey. This yep. season and last. Um, man, I, I like DJ Moore a lot here too. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think Atlanta's defense was a one-game fluke. Uh, I've got him as a mid-range wide receiver two. Samuel's a mid-range wide receiver three. And I do like Kyle Allen as a streaming quarterback option this week as well. And we're certainly going to talk more about him during the waiver wire section here. Not a whole lot else to add. Uh, you know, despite Bradbury, I'm going to take Carolina at home after nearly sending that game against Green Bay to overtime. Uh, and with Atlanta missing two of those starters on Dolphins. I will take Carolina Panthers at home as well. Houston at Baltimore. Houston gets Baltimore, whose defense is not that imposing, uh, certainly not as as much as it looked like against uh, Cincinnati when you have no players on offense or on your offensive line. That's sort of what's going to happen with all those defensive scores. Should be a fine day for Deshaun Watson here and DeAndre Hopkins. Stills is an upside flex play, I think, who is bound to connect sooner or later. Had a few disappointing weeks, but uh, this could be his week here. Maybe, uh, you know, certainly has the upside of 100 yards and two touchdowns, but has the floor of, you know, a catch for 20. He's a good risk-reward play here, I think. The running backs actually have the tougher part of this matchup. Hyde's a running back three. Hyde's a very low, uh, or, um, not Hyde, uh, Duke is a very low-level flex play, and I'm not riding this uh, Darren Fells train. I think I am. Uh, <laughs> I oh, think, uh, you know, just, two, two. <laughs> a, a, as you said, there, there's just so much mediocrity at tight end that there's a lot of viable options. Uh, really, it's just depending on the matchup. And I think a shootout is possible in this game with both these offenses more talented than the opposing defense. Um, the other thing to note is that Will Fuller uh, began practicing today. So there's a chance that he could be back for this one. Uh, if Will Fuller plays, I'd slot him in immediately as a boomer bust wide receiver three, and I would downgrade sure. skills to a wide receiver four. But as you said, if Fuller remains out, I have stills as a boomer bust flex option. And then speaking of Darren Fells, as you said, uh, you know, you're not on that train, but I think he's an all right desperation tight end if you really need the help there. We saw Eifert score against Baltimore on Sunday, and Fells seems to be the preferred tight end for Watson, especially in the red zone. I mean, it's better than Adam Shaheen or something, that's for sure. Uh, (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Baltimore gets Houston's injured uh, defense, and I I don't expect uh, them to hit much of a speed bump here after their trucking of the Bengals. Lamar Jackson's a quarterback one after a four-touchdown day, including uh, four of four for 80 yards and a touchdown to Hollywood Brown, six of eight. 53 yards and two touchdowns to Mark Andrews. Andrews is back to solid tight end one status, uh, in part due to all the injuries around the league. And Brown is a Brown is a uh, high upside flex, teetering into wide receiver two territory for me this week. Mark Ingram just went uh, only nine for 34 and a touchdown. He's a running back two here. Yep, 
uh, he covered pretty much everything here. Uh, not a whole lot to say. Uh, I actually do have Marquise Brown as a wide receiver too, so take that for what you will. Um, like right. I said, I'm expecting a high-scoring game on both sides here, but I will take Baltimore at home uh, in a back-and-forth game. I am picking the Ravens as well. Sunday afternoon games, Arizona at San Francisco. Kyler Murray had a great day against that Tampa Bay secondary. I should he, I think he should have that uh, quarterback one floor this week as well, even though it is a very tough San Francisco matchup. I think he scampers free for a few yards on the ground. Uh, most of his productive 324 yards was six catches, 138, and three touchdowns for Christian Kirk with eight catches on eight targets for 71 yards to Larry Fitzgerald. And three of three for 78 yards to Andy Isabella, who uh, had another nice uh, nice catch and run again this week. David Johnson was held to five carries, two yards only, with one catch to Kenyon Drake's 10 carries, 35 yards, and six catches for six yards total only. Uh, not great production out of the backfield. It's going to be interesting to see what they can manage against San Francisco, which is a much better defense. Um, I'm expecting a low-end low running back to David, uh, David Johnson. Um if that, uh, I think there's going to be some flex play here for Drake. Uh, he's he's looked a little more electric than David Johnson, as, as crazy as that sounds. And Christian Kirk as a wide receiver three or flex, despite the huge day here only. Right. Uh, I think really uh, it's time to panic on David Johnson. Uh, he just has yeah. not looked good. And, uh, you know, he's he, Kingsbury came out and said that he's still working through the, the back and ankle injuries and. Really yeah. just, uh, you know, the fact that Kenyon Drake out-touched him, uh, even back healthy, uh, or healthy-ish, I should say, uh, Drake had 10 carries to Johnson's five, and then Drake had seven targets as a receiver to Johnson's one target. So this has clearly turned into a committee backfield here. Um, and Arizona's offensive line isn't great, so already running behind a poor offensive line, uh, there's just not a whole lot on the ground here. And then Drake has taken the more valuable receiving touches in PPR. So honestly, at this point, I don't know that he's David Johnson that is is going to be fully healthy for the rest of the season. I would sell him uh, to the Drake owner for just about anything and vice versa. I would sell the Drake owner to the Johnson owner because I don't think either running back. Wait, is what? <laughs> Basically, I'm you saying you can't sell owners. No, no, no. I'm saying if if I own David Johnson, I would try to sell to the person who has Kenyon Drake, and vice versa. Okay. If I had yes. Kenyon Drake, I would sell to the David Johnson owner. Sure enough. Um, just seems like it's going to be a committee here. I, I have Drake uh, actually ranked higher this week as a high end RB three in a tough matchup mm. against San Francisco, and I've got Johnson as just a mid range flex. Uh, even though you know Drake was great against the Niners two weeks ago, I would expect the Niners to be on the lookout for those screens and for Johnson to eat into his touches a little bit more. Um, and then, of course, I like Christian Kirk, as you do, as a wide receiver three. And I've got Fitzgerald and Isabella both as boomer bust wide receiver fours. Although, overall, I don't think I like Kyler Murray as much as you do. Uh, I've got him as just a high-end QB2 here. Um, the last matchup that these two teams faced off a couple weeks ago, uh, Murray needed that long broken coverage touchdown to Andy Isabella for that respectable final stat line, and I'm just not sure that's going to happen again. Yeah, I think he just sneaks in with on a week with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson on the bench. Fair enough. Yes, for the Niners, San Francisco gets Arizona, of course, and they should up, should put up some points here. Jimmy Garoppolo is a great matchup, though. Who knows how much he'll really have to throw here? 
Uh, certainly an upside streaming option. Manuel Sanders been a very solid wide receiver, too. And whichever two running backs are healthiest will be upside wide receiver, too. Splitting some work, but getting tons of carries and uh, likely a few touchdowns. Typically, Breed and Coleman, of course, pending the uh, results of tonight's game. I, I'm, I'm guessing Breed is going to come off the field at least twice with injury tonight. And uh, Coleman maybe once on his own. The biggest story is going to be the health of George Kittle, who is out tonight. Um I think it's that knee from that hyperextension, uh, but I, I just don't know. They're they're not really getting into it too much, right? And it's been ten days, so definitely a little bit more than just a minor concern. But at the same time, I, I'm not hearing too many reports that's it's going to be you know more than a two or three week injury at the most. So certainly he's possible to return this week. Um, keep an eye out for Kittle. And if Kittle's out, though, if you're desperate, we'll see how much Ross Dwelly gets targeted tonight with Kittle out. Uh, Dwelly is a viable streaming tight end against Arizona. We've seen pretty much all tight ends do well against that secondary, including O.J. Howard, who otherwise has done pretty much nothing this year. So, again, if you're desperate, not the ter- not the most terrible option. And then I like Garoppolo a lot here as well, uh, although I don't know that he can even be considered a streaming option at this point. Uh, he's owned in over half of ESPN leagues, and I believe over 80% of Yahoo leagues at this point. Um, so that's, well, he should be a streaming option because he doesn't th- – He most games he throws one or two touchdowns. Right. Well, based on ownership percentage, though, he is not on our wow. waiver wire section, but certainly worth starting if he's out there in your league. Uh, we'll see about Emmanuel Sanders, too. He left this game with a rib injury, and we have yet to see if he's going to come back tonight. Um, we'll see about that. Uh, if he's healthy, uh, I have Sanders as a wide receiver, too. If not, maybe Debo Samuel uh, becomes worth a start as a wide receiver three with some upside here. And as for the running backs, assuming both are healthy leaving tonight, I've got Coleman as a mid-range RB2 and Breda as a mid-range flex play. Regardless of whether the Niners win or lose tonight, I will go with them, barring any major injuries. Yeah, I'm going to take the Niners at home as well. Cincinnati at Oakland. Cincinnati got off to a shaky start behind Ryan Finley here, featuring three turnovers. Joe Mixon was the offense here. 30 carries, 114 yards on the ground, and two added catches for 37 yards. Tyler Boyd led the team in targets, receptions, and yardage, and has a good matchup here, but uh, did leave the field with an injury. Uh, The rest was pretty ugly, other than uh, a touchdown on two catches for Tyler Eifert. Uh, They get Oakland now, who allows plenty to wide receivers and bottles up the running back. So Joe Mixon is a running back, too, if he gets more checkdowns here. And we may have a returning A.J. Green. Maybe they're calling him day-to-day, week-to-week. Pretty vague about what that means. Um, He wouldn't be better than really a flex play just getting back in his first week. Uh, Really the only pass catcher I'd consider regardless. Alex Erickson saw just two targets. We thought maybe um, Ryan might look to him quite a bit. Auden Tate, just three catches for 36 yards, looked his way six times, but not getting much done. Yeah, I, I like Boyd here as a high-end wide receiver three. Mixon is a mid-range running back two. Um, and I don't have any any solid reports or sources or anything, but the feeling I get with A.J. Green is that he's just fed up with his tenure in Cincinnati. Um, I think he's just sitting out because he sees nothing, you know, worthwhile in playing this year for a team that's going nowhere. Uh, he's probably going to be on a different team next year here. Um, I, I, I don't know why they don't trade him. I mean, it's it, it's ludicrous. Yeah, I, I, they definitely should have traded him uh, before the deadline. Uh, that, but who knows? 
the point is, I think he's droppable in most redraft formats. Um, certainly, it sounds like maybe you disagree. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to outright disagree with it, but I mean, if perchance he ends up on team waivers or something and he gets claimed, like this is a guy who, if some by some stroke of something ends up on another team, he's he's an automatic wide receiver too. But, I mean, he's not. They're not going to cut him at this point, and the trade deadline's passed, so I think he's just going to sit on the bench and rot in, Cle- in not Cleveland, uh, Cincinnati. You may be right. I may be crazy. I don't know. Either way... Uh, but I'm it not... mu- just may be a lunatic you're looking for. <laughs> Maybe, but, I I mean, who would, who would you know, add him off waivers? I don't think they're going to cut him given his salary, so... I just don't see him doing anything for the rest of the season. Uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go out of my way to roster him and redraft outside of, you know, unless you have like two IR spots or something. Um, yeah, he hasn't yet. You're right. Yeah, and I do like Tyler Eifert here. I've got him as a high-end tight end too this week. Uh, even though he got just four targets against the Baltimore defense that's tough on tight ends, he still converted a touchdown on a nice fade route. Uh, he's more than viable this week with Oakland giving up the third most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Oakland got the uh, nice AFC West win this week and get the Bengals this week. Uh, this would be a solid stream week for Derek Carr, who was okay against the Chargers defense. Uh, should be a nice day for Josh Jacobs as an upside running back too. sort of teetering his way into running back one territory for me. Maybe I'm a little too optimistic as a uh, big Jacobs guy. 16 for 71 and a touchdown and three catches versus L.A. Always would like to see those catch uh, totals go higher. Darren Waller caught just four catches, 30 yards, but should return to form here versus Cincinnati. Tyrell Williams is a touchdown-dependent flex play who whose looks have been a little bit less with the emergence of Hunter Renfro. And sometimes they get uh, some design plays with some sporadic use of that second and third tight end option. Um, Quas Moreau and the other big boy. Um, so uh, Tyrell Williams certainly not keeping pace with that touchdown every game, every game that he had to start the season with. Yep, and I'm even higher on Josh Jacobs than you are this week. I've got him as a mid-range RB1. I love, nice. I love this matchup for him uh, with the Raiders offensive line really coming together. I expect them to lead for the most part in this game. I like Carr as well, and he'll be on our waiver wire section when we talk about the quarterbacks. I think Oakland continues their winning streak this week, and they've got an outside shot at making the playoffs. Do you? I know this is a little radical. Do you think that uh, this team gets up and, and stifles them enough that um, DeAndre Washington pulls in any value in some garbage time? Mm, I would not go that far. Yeah, I, I would not either. Sometimes we see it, but uh, but I I don't I don't actually well, see that the, happening. The problem this week. is the Raiders' defense isn't that great. Yep, fair enough. I will uh, take Oakland as well. New England at Philadelphia. The Patriots got off. Uh, got off. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, the Patriots got the week off to gear up for that Super Bowl rematch uh, with the Eagles. Here, the Eagles' pass defense is. Uh, wait a second. Why? Why did I say the Patriots got the week off? They didn't get the week off. Yeah, they were. On yes, by. they did. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm You're so good. confused. Wait a second. The Baltimore game was two weeks ago already. Yes, sir. No, it was only seven days ago, eight days ago. That's why I'm confused. Okay. <laughs> well, right, but it wasn't this past week of games. Right, right, because Baltimore just spanked the uh, the Bengals. All right, the Patriots got that week off uh, to gear up for a Super Bowl rematch with the Eagles. The Eagles' pass defense is very beatable. 
Their uh, rush defense has been tough most games, though. I think it's just a flex week for Rush. Sony Michelle as Rex Burkhead will likely be healthy here. Uh, James White's going to siphon a lot of pass work. White has the upside, I think, but it's hard to uh, trust him past running back three or flex label with Rex Burkhead always coming in and taking some passes for himself. Edelman is a wide receiver, too, and Mohamed Sanu is a wide receiver, three, I think, with upside against Philadelphia, and uh, TB12 is a top-12 quarterback. Yeah, and quick game break here. Uh, crazy turn of events. What could have been a DK Metcalf touchdown instead is a fumble for the Niners. That's, That's uh, a fun play to watch 18 times on replay. <laughs> oh, here right. it is again. Well, certainly could <laughs> swing some fantasy matchups tonight. Um, but going back to the Patriots here, uh, their left tackle, Isaiah Wynn, who's been on IR, could return in Week 12. Uh, but for this week, they're going to need to weather Philadelphia's pass rush without him. I would avoid Michelle. I've got him just, just a tight end dependent flex play this week, despite David Montgomery's big game against the Eagles two weeks ago. I like James White the most uh, out of these options as a viable low on RB2, as I'd expect some short passes and some screen passes to keep that pass rush at bay. Uh, I like uh, you know Edelman and Sanu as you do, and I wouldn't forget about Philip Dorsett here as a deep threat if that offensive line can keep Brady upright long enough. And Ben Watson has some upside, but is probably best left on the bench until we see him start playing a bigger role as a receiver instead of a blocker, which could happen in a week once Wynn returns at left tackle. The Eagles had the week also to prepare for uh, New England. Wentz is back as a quarterback one or high-end quarterback two here. I, I'd fade the whole offense, though, really. Um, Alshon has a tough pull this week uh, against the cornerback and is just a wide receiver three play. Zach Ertz, of course, is starting for you. Jordan Howard is a running back three. Uh, but I think the Patriots are going to slam the door on this offense. I'm not so sure. I think this is going to be a closer game than a lot of people think. Uh, the Eagles have the offensive line talent to protect Wentz. And as good as New England's secondary has been, they can't cover all day if if Wentz gets time to throw. Um, plus, we've seen that he's excellent at getting out of sacks, even with defenders all around him. I, I've got him as a high-end QB2 here. And even though I agree that Ertz is probably starting for you, I've got him downgrade a little bit to a low-end tight end one in a tough matchup. I like Sanders over Howard as well. If you must flex an Eagles running back, I think Sanders has a better chance to break open a big play here or there. And, uh, you know, Jeffrey, I certainly don't love with Stephon Gilmore likely draped all over him. Uh, they, this is an offense that really could have used Deshaun Jackson, but sadly that uh, is not going to happen this year. Nope. Uh, either way, though, I think, you know, this is, uh, as I said, I think it's going to be a close game. Could see it going either way, but I certainly won't bet against Bill Belichick with two weeks to prepare. No, I'm going to uh, take the Patriots here as well. Sunday night football, exciting Sunday night game, two two uh, stellar offenses here coming Chicago at the LA Rams. Uh, maybe last year that was exciting. Uh, the Bears almost figured out a way to lose even to Dr Jeff Driscoll. Now they go out to LA against the Rams. Um, this week, the spotty, off spotty offense featured less than 175 yards, but somehow three passing touchdowns for Mitch Trubisky. Six catches, nine targets, 86 yards for Allen Robinson with no touchdown here. Four catches, six targets, 39 yards, and a touchdown for Taylor Gabriel. Four catches, four targets, 23 yards, and a touchdown on a uh, 
outside the left wheel route for Tariq Cohen, adding 14 yards rushing, and a touchdown for Brian Broniker, and one catch only for Anthony Miller. Just a mess. Uh, of course, Allen Robinson is really the only thing to take from that, but he's going to see Jalen Ramsey. He's going to have a lower floor than usual. Still probably a wide receiver, too, with targets. David Montgomery was held to 17 carries, 60 yards only, and no targets in the past game. This is such a weird offense. It, it's it's not genius. I'm sorry, Matt Nagy. I, I wish it was. Uh, it, it gets in its own way. He gets in his own way. Uh, David Montgomery should be an upside running back too, but I, I just have no faith there. Remember how excited we were last year, this time last year, to watch the Rams and the Bears face off? Sadly, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Both of these teams have regressed a ton this year, just – you know, and even though we both took Detroit last week, of course that was prior to knowing about <laughs> Stafford's injury. Uh, if I knew about that, I'd have switched it, as I'm sure you would have. Right, but I, <laughs> so I'm, I'm taking the win still. Yeah, I'm still convinced that they would have won with a healthy Stafford. I'm not as optimistic on Robinson or Montgomery this week. Uh, you know, as you said, with the matchup against Jalen Ramsey, I've got Robinson as a mid-range wide receiver three. Montgomery as a low-end flex here. Uh, Trubisky had fade as just a back-end QB two. I think Cohen is viable in PPR as a running back four if they get behind in this one, but I certainly wouldn't count on him, and I would not count on Taylor Gabriel or Anthony Miller. Has Trubisky been higher than a back-end quarterback, too, at any point for you? Uh, I mean, he's had the the garbage time games, but uh, I'm not expecting that here. Fair enough. I I see. You mean like ending the week in that way, not really expecting and hoping and praying for something sure, like that. Yeah, I got definitely. you. All right. Uh, speaking of speaking of gross, Jared Goff got demolished by that Pittsburgh defense. 240 yards, two interceptions, with the wide receivers having a bit of a shakeup for this season's production. Robert Woods led the team this week, 7 of 11, 95 yards. Josh Reynolds followed him, three catches, five targets, 49 yards. Well, Cooper Cup was held without a catch on just four targets. Tight end Gerald Everett was solid. Six catches, 12 targets, 68 yards. Uh, Brandon Cooks is probably still going to be out with a concussion this week. The Bears are tough on wide receivers, and uh, Cup and Woods are both about wide receiver twos here, whereas I think uh, Gerald Everett is a solid tight end start again here. Uh, Todd Gurley had a few nice runs uh, behind 12 carries, 73 yards, but Malcolm Brown and Daryl uh, Henderson both had about five carries apiece. It's a messy trio right now, uh, leaving Gurley. He's still going to have 50% of the work, but that's not great. You'd like to see 60, 70. Gurley's a running back, too, against the Chicago run defense that has definitely had better days since before losing a team Hicks. And I'd avoid Jared Goff here. He looks terrible. He looks like uh, rookie year Jared Goff. Sorry, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been watching this trailer for The Mandalorian, which looks really, really good. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, the bad guy in Iron Man 3. Yeah, exactly. Um, nice, but uh, also also owned by Disney. <laughs> correct, correct. Just <laughs> just plug in plug in Disney tonight, aren't we? Um, yes, sir. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited for this show. Are you? Wait, are we talking about the Bears and and? No, 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 the Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, the Mandalorian. Honestly, I have not had time to really look into it. Um, but uh, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I am certainly going to uh, catch it on a streaming device or something otherwise. Uh, so, so we're gonna, uh, yeah, definitely see it. Awesome. What's it on Disney Plus? Correct. Yeah, I think it's, but it's, it's not, not. No, so it's not. So they're officially off Netflix and everything now. Correct. Yep. Hmm. I'm gonna have to find a friend with Disney Plus, I guess. Yeah, uh, 
You can use mine, I guess. Well, yeah, maybe I'll uh, invite myself over. There you go. Um, yeah, I heard you say some words like Jared Goff and Gerald Everett. Um, <laughs> and you just tuned out. Yeah. Uh, I no, would. I mean, so so did America. <laughs> right. I was I was gonna say I, I'm just super excited for that show. But enough about that. Um, you know, Cooper Cup had was shut out. Uh, I think that was the Steelers' game plan because Jared Goff can't really do anything except check it down to Cup. Um, Everett became that outlet receiver with the Steelers focusing on Cup. If the Bears do the same, I could see Everett having another decent day, but I, I do think that McVay is going to learn from his mistakes here. He's going to try and find ways for Goff to get the ball out quicker to both Cup and Gurley. Um, I don't think it's a hot take to say that Pittsburgh's defense is better than Chicago's right now, so I'm not as scared for Cup. I still like him as a mid-range wide receiver too. We saw that Mike Evans had a zero-point day uh, earlier in the season, and he re- excuse me, he rebounded right back. And I have the same faith in Cup um, as you said. Uh, you know, always start your studs. So while I'm not quite as uh, as an ardent believer in that as you are, I still think that Cup will be fine here. Um, Woods, I've got as a high and wide receiver three. It does sound like Cooks is going to be out again. Uh, that second concussion certainly a serious concern, as we've seen with Sterling Shepard. He's still out weeks and weeks after his second concussion. So certainly, you know, taking that very seriously, uh, the league is nowadays. And uh, Everett, uh, as you said, um, you know, he might get a lot more work again this week. I've got him as a high-end tight end too. Gurley is a mid-range running back too, uh, still getting the majority of the touches despite Brown and Henderson getting involved here. I would probably avoid Goff though. I'm expecting a pretty ugly game here uh, with a lot of punts on both sides and not in a good way like the defensive showdown last year. Um, Just a lot of, uh, as you said earlier, a lot of incompetence on both sides to go around, but uh, I'm going to lean the Rams at home. Yeah, I'm going to take the Rams at home as well to uh, send the Bears a little better draft pick next year. Monday night football, Kansas City Chiefs at the L.A. Chargers. Kansas City loses to Tennessee at home uh, in Pat Mahomes' return to the field. They're certainly going to look to bounce back here against the Chargers. I, I don't think there's any real fate of this offense here. The offense was great. The defense was just worse. Uh, Mahomes is a crazy man out there, 446 yards, three touchdowns, quarterback one overall upside every single week. Uh, Tyree Kill went 11 catches, 157 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, seven for 75 and a touchdown. Sammy Watkins, five of nine for just 39 yards, but has a, you know, has that flex appeal there with four catches, 56 yards to Robinson and just one catch on a fun little jump pass, a little uh, NFL blitz play, if you will, 63 yard touchdown for Nicole Hardman. Start your studs. As for the running backs, uh, LaShawn McCoy was a late scratch, so to speak, as a quote-unquote planned rest week. Um, that sounds like baloney to me, to be honest. You don't plan rest weeks in must-win weeks in a contentious AFC West. Uh, I think McCoy's in the doghouse, but Damian Williams, of course, throws the ball on the floor to, when he has the chance to run away with the uh, run away with the job. I don't know. He's a solid running back, too, if McCoy's not playing. I don't expect McCoy to be scratched again, but I I really was expecting to see more carries for either Daryl Williams or Darwin Thompson here. Just very confusing there. Um, All right. So 19 for 77 yards and five catches for 32 for Damian Williams. He's probably more of a running back three or flex if McCoy plays again this week. Um, We don't like to see the ball get put on the ground. 
Daryl Williams, Darwin Thompson combined for just five touches. I, I don't know. I'm sort of confused, to be honest. I, I think it's I, I think maybe LaShawn McCoy's time might be done with this team. I don't know. Uh, I mean, he looked good on the touches that he had, minus the fumbles. So, <laughs> But maybe there's something we're not knowing. Maybe there's something keeping this elder statesman running back playing so well that maybe KC knows about that we don't yet. I don't buy into that necessarily, but... Uh, well, yeah, I didn't until it happened time and time again in this league, unfortunately. Well, either way, the point is that neither of these running backs is really a great start as long as there's this confusing usage. Uh, we'll yeah. see We'll see how the touches shake out. Uh, maybe, maybe all this means that Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson eventually do get more touches. Who knows? Yeah, yep. Um... But, I mean, man, just in general, the NFL is way more fun to watch with Mahomes back. Hopefully his oh, knee yeah. stays healthy. Um, I saw a tweet from his girlfriend that she was going to scrap if anyone got close to his knee again after one of the hits from Tennessee. So uh, certainly I think we all feel that way. Um, Why is Pat Mahomes' girlfriend tweeting you? No, 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 just in general. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not me. Um, but you know, you're starting Mahomes, Kelsey Hill, of course, uh, as, as we said, the running back, uh, both running backs, McCoy and Williams are going to be flex plays, assuming that McCoy is active again this week. If you're desperate, uh, Sammy Watkins is a low end flex play. And then both Mikkel Hardman and Demarcus Robinson are boomer bust wide receiver fours. Um, and I've said this enough, but, uh, just a quick little plug yet again, I remain convinced that Mikkel Hardman is the best by low right now in Dynasty with both Marcus Robinson, uh, a free agent, and then Sammy Watkins' contract making him very cuttable after this season. So if you can get him for a rookie first-round pick, I would do that in a heartbeat. Watkins certainly not playing up to the uh, the money they're paying them, unfortunately. Well, the not, Chargers, since, uh, uh, not since well, week one, at least. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. That first week might have might have made it all worth it. Uh, the Chargers get that long week to prepare for Kansas City, and this could be a real fun day on the road here. Uh, avoiding Philip Rivers after his dreadful day, two hundred yards, two two touchdowns, and three interceptions in what should have been a good matchup. Uh, but the other players could really do well here. Keenan Allen uh, led in targets again, 8 of 11, 68 yards, to just 2 of 3, 55 yards for Mike Williams. Allen is an upside wide receiver, too, still seeing the targets. Williams is an upside flex play. Um, this could be a shootout here. Henry and Eckler scored the touchdowns on that bad Rivers day. Henry's a tight end one. While uh, Eckler, other than that one touchdown play late in the fourth, was limited to just six carries, 19 yards, and just two catches uh, to Melvin Gordon's 22 yards. 108 or sorry 22 carries 108 yards and a touchdown and one catch gordon is a clear-cut running back one versus kansas city uh we just saw derrick henry demolish that kansas city run defense as well as aaron jones as well as many uh, running backs earlier in the season uh marlon mack and indy's win over casey eckler's a flex play whose uh, floor is lower and lower as the weeks go on yeah, I like all these guys as you do. Um, the only exception is Mike Williams. At this point, I just I don't know how much upside he has given Rivers' unwillingness to target him. I've got Williams as a wide receiver four or wide receiver five at this Ooh. point until we see more usage. I mean, he's just not getting the targets despite making like one phenomenal catch every game. I, that, know. That's a bet. I've got him top 30 for sure. There, There's a bet in store somewhere here. Sure, I'll say he's outside the top 30 in PPR. Uh, I'll take 30 and up. All right, sounds good. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, this Kansas City defense is an issue, and based on that, it wouldn't shock me if the Chargers won, but I'm still going to bet on Mahomes. Yeah, I'm taking Mahomes as well. Uh, they're the fun, they're the more fun team. Um, Phillip Rivers, uh, you know, was a bad game. I, you never know with these older quarterbacks. We're seeing, you know, guys play and play, but that's not going to be the case for everybody. You, you know, Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, they all started roughly in the league around the same time, and this could be the final uh, final legs for all of them. Yeah, and by the way, just real quick, this is the game in Mexico. Um, and given, oh. given the elevation, I know we talked about this a little bit in the years past, but, uh, you know, Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, uh, not terrible DFS plays because just because uh, Mahomes could chuck the ball, you know, 90 yards. Is this the redo of what last year's game was going to be? Yeah, I think there were issues with the field, right? Something like that. Yeah, there was a concert the night before or, or in the week before, and they could not uh, get the field ready for uh, for game time. So it was so the uh, game didn't happen that week, right? Jeez, well, keep aware of that. Oof, you're certainly not benching any of your Chiefs on the risk of that, but there's always risk, right? No, I, I would think you know the NFL made it clear this year that the the field needs to be in tip top condition for them to actually play this game. Fair enough. All right, that'll lead us into our uh, our bye week teams. Four teams on a bye here. Your Green Bay Packers, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, the Aarons, Rodgers and Jones, Jamal Williams, Devontae Adams, and then uh, that mishmash of wide receivers that probably shouldn't be owned. <laughs> Green Bay goes into their bye with Devontae Adams looking great, looking healthy, looking like he's got a good toe on both feet. 7 of 10, 118 yards, and a huge three-touchdown day for Aaron Jones, who leads the league right now with 14 touchdowns. The Packers need an answer at wide receiver, too, and that answer I don't think is on the roster right now. The New York Giants. Uh, Daniel Jones had a really nice four touchdown day against the Jets with 120 yards and two touchdowns to Darius Slayton, 95 yards and two touchdowns for Golden Tate. But Saquon Barkley was held to 31 total yards, 13 carries, just one yard on the ground. He had x-rays done of his leg. Uh, This does not sound or seem good. Uh, Maybe in their bye week, you know, pick up Wayne Gallman. But I, I don't think that they have. Um, a great schedule. They don't have a great schedule going forward. Um, I'm actually planning to drop Jan- Daniel Jones in the league that I used him, um, even despite that uh, four-touchdown game. So, of course, find uh, find other answers for Golden Tate. Uh, Evan Ingram may be done for a few weeks. Uh, looks like a mid-foot sprain, which sort of carries that ominous label of Lis- or, uh, uh, Frank injury that we've seen be the downfall of a lot of players. Really going to need to see if more uh, more news comes out in the next two weeks, but just a wasteland at tight end right now. Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill's been playing well. Derrick Henry blew up. Corey Davis was out this week. And then, uh, you know, A.J. Brown, Johnny Smith, Delaney Walker, just dis- disappointing people left and right. But it was a big win for Tennessee heading into their bye. Tannehill was effective. 180 yards, two touchdowns. Derrick Henry ran great. And he may heat up late in the season. He was the running back one overall for three of the final four weeks last year. So who knows? We could uh, have lightning strike twice. And then Seattle plays tonight. They get their bye after tonight's game. The main thing's going to be to see how much Josh Gordon really gets inserted into this offense. Uh, and if anybody drops Rashad Penny on their off week, I'd consider adding him if uh, if you've got an extra bench spot. Yeah, moving on to the injuries here. Uh, we've got quarterbacks Matthew Stafford with that fracture in his spine, questionable for this week. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks have suffered the similar injury most notably Tony Romo a few years back. And 
as bad as a spine fracture sounds, it, it's actually supposedly relatively minor. A lot of quarterbacks return after just one or two weeks of rest. So Stafford could be another game time decision this week. Have another quarterback option ready just in case. Jacoby Brissett with the MCL sprain, questionable but likely to play. He was able to practice a little bit last week, sounded close to playing against Miami. Indianapolis is optimistic that he'll be ready to come back this week, but stay updated on Brissett's practice status. Case Keenum with the concussion, he's questionable. However, uh, it doesn't really matter much for fantasy purposes, as it sounds like Dwayne Haskins will get the start going forward. And then uh, running backs, of course, always a lot of trouble at running back. James Conner with that shoulder sprain, questionable, but he is expected back this week. Uh, the reports this morning indicated they expect him to return, so keep an eye on his practice participation. Uh, I'm pretty optimistic he's going to play. Devontae Freeman with a toe or foot injury. We need a little more info there, but he is definitely out this week. Could be back weeks 12 or 13. Um We'll just sort of see what's said there. But Brian Hill's going to lead the Atlanta backfield in his absence with Ito Smith on the injured reserve. Le'Veon Bell with... (coughs) I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Le'Veon Bell with a rib injury. Questionable, but expected to play this week. He hurt his ribs in that win versus the Giants, but it's reportedly minor. He's supposed to play, but watch the practice participation leading up to this week's game just in case. Uh, Saquon Barkley, we're awaiting a little more info, but they're on a bye this week. Barkley was, quote, banged up, according to Pat Shermer, after the game versus the Jets, but was, quote, feeling a lot better on Monday. He had x-rays done Sunday, but that's pretty routine. Uh, as of right now, there's not a lot of concern, but keep an eye out for updates this week and next. Um, hopefully he didn't come back a little too quick from that ankle sprain. He has not been the Saquon Barkley we know and love. Ty Johnson with the concussion, questionable. Every player returns from concussions at their own uh, at their own speed, but even if active, Detroit continues to utilize a messy three- or four-man running back uh, by committee for fantasy purposes. Chase Edmonds, hamstring injury, questionable, but not likely to return here. Uh, It sounded severe. Even if he were to come back, it'd be unlikely to see much of a workload with uh, Kenyon Drake's addition and David Johnson healthy. I think it's probably a drop for for all intents and purposes. And then Darius Geis with a meniscus surgery, questionable. And Chris Thompson, foot injury, questionable. Geis should return this week after their bye, but like Edmonds, he's uh, he'll return to that backfield committee with AP and Chris Thompson still involved. Uh, none of these guys are great fantasy starts outside of very, very deep leagues or in desperation. Yep. And then leading off at the wide receivers, of course, we've got Adam Thielen with a hamstring injury. He's questionable here. Minnesota's bye is after this week, and they managed to beat Dallas without Thielen. So unless he's fully healed, the smart move would be for the Vikings to let him rest up with a beatable matchup at home against Denver this week. Monitor his practice participation. T.Y. Hilton with a calf strain, questionable but not likely to play this week. He continues to rehab from that calf injury until we see him get in at least some limited practice sessions. He's probably still a week or two away from returning. Brandon Cooks with that second concussion this year, questionable. Uh, You know, this is already his second and his fourth or fifth in his career. So as we're seeing with Sterling Shepard being held out weeks after his second concussion of the year, Cooks could likewise be out for some time, especially given his visit with a concussion specialist last week. Stay tuned for updates on him. D.D. Westbrook with the shoulder and neck injuries, questionable but likely to return this week. He had an extra week of rest with Jacksonville on bye. Sounds like he should be able to suit up this week, but monitor his practice status just in case. Corey Davis with the hip injury. Tennessee's on bye this week, but 
We're not exactly sure how severe this hip injury is. Expect him to be questionable even after uh, Tennessee's bye in Week 12. He's probably only worth starting in very deep fantasy formats anyway. Sterling Shepard, concussion, questionable. Uh, he's been held out multiple weeks already. Uh, we just talked about him along with Brandon Cooks, and there's still been no updates. He's started practicing, but they clarified that he is still in the concussion protocol. Will Fuller with a hamstring injury, questionable. He's practicing today, could return this week, but whether he'll actually play is still in question. Keep an eye on his practice participation throughout the week. A.J. Green with that ankle surgery, questionable. It sounds like he just has no desire to return. Uh, certainly might come back at some point, but probably droppable in all but the deepest of leagues. Sorry, just uh, caught an update on that. Emmanuel Sanders just to tack on to the end of the uh, wide receivers. He is out for the rest of this game, so we'll certainly have to keep an eye on what happens in the coming week. It's the uh, rib injury, is that correct? Mm-hmm. All right, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, as for tight ends, just a just a wasteland, a war zone at the tight end landscape uh, this week. George Kittle with a knee and or ankle. Um, his injuries from the game versus Arizona weren't really anything worrying long term, but he might need another week to heal up. Um, he's not playing tonight, so maybe he'll be back next week. Uh, Austin Hooper with the MCL sprain, questionable, but certainly is not likely to play. We don't have a ton of information yet as we uh, await uh, results and further further evaluation on that MCL. But he's going to be out at least a week, if not longer. Um, so just keep your ears open. Evan Ingram with the sprain. Giants are on a bye this week, but... Hopefully another week of rest will get Ingram closer to 100%, but we'll just have to wait and see here. Uh, monitor his status once the Giants return to practice in anticipation of their Week 12 matchup at Chicago. Uh, Chris Herndon with fractured ribs, questionable but not likely to play. After finally getting Herndon back, he did very little versus the Giants, and now he could miss even more time due to that rib injury. He's droppable in all but the deepest leagues. And Delaney Walker with an ankle injury, questionable but also not likely to play here. Walker has not practiced in weeks, and unless this changes, he's likely out again this week. Johnny Smith and Anthony Ferkser continue to play well in his absence, and this could be a tight end by committee sort of thing even when Walker returns. He's he's droppable in shallow formats. Right. He was certainly Mariota's favorite target, but uh, we don't know if that'll continue to be the case with Tannehill as the mm-hmm. starter. Um, yeah, just as you said, a war zone at the tight end position. Uh, guys like Eric Ebron and Darren Fells suddenly not looking too bad, huh? Yep. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. Moving on to the waiver wire section here starting with the quarterbacks. We've got Derek Carr, 18% owned in ESPN leagues, 26% owned in Yahoo. Cincinnati gives up the fifth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, and Carr is in prime position to take advantage this week. He's thrown for multiple touchdowns in three of the last four games since Oakland's bye, and he has just one interception over that span. Carr has a great matchup this week at home as a streaming back-end QB1. Kyle Allen, uh, Atlanta uh, surprisingly shut down Breeze and the New Orleans offense, but it's hard to believe that they're for real until we see it two weeks in a row. While Allen has struggled against good defenses this year, he should be an adequate QB2 at home against an Atlanta defense that's given up the third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, despite limiting Breeze to just 11 points this past week. And then we've got Dwayne Haskins. He's a risky start, but maybe he'll be more effective with the added first-team reps and the bye week to prepare 
Uh, and then finally, uh, Darius Geis uh, might relieve some pressure with that ground game now that he's finally back. This is a Jets defense that has allowed over 26 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks over the last three weeks. As for running backs, a uh, top ad for the week, I think, is Brian Hill, 1% owned in ESPN, just 3% in Yahoo. So pretty well uh, pretty well out there for your fab budget. With Devontae Freeman out, Hill is the presumed starter for Atlanta, facing Carolina defense that gives us the sixth most fantasy points to opposing running backs, including nearly 100 yards and three touchdowns to Aaron Jones this past week. Uh, he's a high-end running back three, possibly even producing running back two numbers. Uh, the holes that uh, this defense allowed last week, I could have rushed for 50 yards in. So there you go. <laughs> I don't know about uh, that. Oh, I do. Frank Gore, Frank Gore, 46% owned in ESPN, 43 in Yahoo. Uh, Gore is still playing the 1B role in Buffalo. He's getting the goal line touches, uh, even though he's very poorly effective in them. Uh, against the Miami team that's giving up the fourth most fantasy points to his opposing running backs, Gore has a shot at 50 yards and a touchdown on the ground if Buffalo's defense can keep them ahead on the scoreboard. J.D. McKissick, 16% in ESPN, 21 in Yahoo. If Ty Johnson is out with a concussion this week, McKissick should continue being that lead back in Detroit. And even if he returns, McKissick has been involved as the receiver and remains a viable flex play, flex play in PPR formats. Caitlin Balaj, 28% in ESPN, 37 in Yahoo. Balaj has been incredibly inefficient with his touches, but Miami seems committed to using him. Uh, as a workhorse with Kenyon Drake traded away, Mark Walton suspended, uh, not really many other options there. His usage as a receiver and as the goal line back gives him some upside as a desperation flex play versus a Buffalo defense that's more susceptible to the run than the pass. Balaj punched in a touchdown versus Buffalo before, and he could, uh, could do it again. Alexander Madison, 28% ESPN, 37 in Yahoo. Nope. 20% in ESPN, 29 in Yahoo, Alexander Madison. He's the uh, priority handcuff with running back one upside if Cook were to miss any time, but he could also be a running back four option this week with four teams on by. He's gotten some red zone work in place of Cook and was tackled at the half-yard line versus Dallas on Sunday night, just inches short of a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, highly owned but still worth mention, 71% in ESPN, 72 in Yahoo. It's tough to run on Pittsburgh, but Hunt is being utilized primarily as the receiving back since his return this week. He saw nine targets, catching seven of them for 47 yards versus Buffalo, and he's a viable flex play here versus Pittsburgh despite the difficult matchup. Uh, he's mostly owned, but he's out there in some leagues. Uh, Washington, Chris Thompson, 21 in ESPN, 17 in Yahoo, and Darius Geis, 38 and 37. Geis is close to returning from meniscus surgery, and Thompson is probably the best receiving back of the three, including Peterson. Uh, none are worth starting as more than a flex play in this committee on a bad Washington offense. But clearly not in contention this season. Geis could see some work if they decide to give him a shot, along with the rookie running back quarterback Haskins. Uh, they really need to see what he's made of, what he can do in the NFL. We haven't had a chance to see any of it yet. And Wayne Gallman. 7% ESPN, 5% Yahoo. Barkley should be fine, but on the off chance that he did suffer some kind of injury that would keep him out even after the Giants bye this week. Wayne Gallman is worth adding in deeper leagues, just like earlier in the season, especially if you own Saquon Barkley. Certainly uh, worth it if you want to take that chance uh, on Gallman uh, as a Barkley owner. Moving on to wide receivers here, uh, we've got Will Fuller, 55% owned in ESPN, 53% owned in Yahoo. Fuller has begun practicing off of that hamstring injury. If he is active against Baltimore in what could be a shootout, he'd be a boomer bust wide receiver three, given that connection he has with Watson 
and his big deep threat ability. Marquise Brown on the other side of that same matchup, 61% owned in ESPN, 71% owned in Yahoo. He was quiet in his first game back from his foot injury against New England, but he exploded against a bad Cincinnati defense. Houston's secondary is exploitable, and Brown is going to be a viable boomer bust flex play this week, serving as Jackson's number one wide receiver. If he was dropped in your league during the injuries, he's worth picking up now. Terry McLaurin also owned in quite a few leagues, 71% owned in ESPN, 68% in Yahoo, but still worth mentioning here. Like Marquise Brown, McLaurin was dropped in some leagues after three poor games in a row with Haskins uh, and Washington being on bye this past week. However, McLaurin's still the best offensive skill position player on Washington, and maybe the bye will have helped this offense get a little bit more efficient, especially against the Jets secondary that's giving up the sixth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Devontae Parker, 45% owned in ESPN, 59% in Yahoo. With Preston Williams on IR, Parker has become Fitzpatrick's clear number one target. He got 10 against Indianapolis, and despite some drops, Parker is getting enough target volume to be a wide receiver four or even a wide receiver three, though Buffalo's Tredavious White is going to be a tough matchup this week. Demarius Thomas, 4% owned in ESPN, 8% owned in Yahoo. Jameson Crowder is the hotter name on the Jets wide receiver core, but Thomas has quietly averaged nearly seven targets per game since Darnold's return. He's a desperation wide receiver four option with some upside this week against the beatable Washington secondary. Mikkel Hardman, 20% owned in ESPN, 27% owned in Yahoo. The targets haven't been there consistently for Hardman, but we've seen that he only needs one catch to be fantasy relevant given that speed. He's a threat to take it to the house on any reception and remains in play as a boomer bust flex option with Patrick Mahomes back. Deontay Johnson, 14% in ESPN, 18% in Yahoo. There's not a whole lot of fantasy relevance to be had among the Pittsburgh wide receivers with Mason Rudolph, but Johnson has made some big plays with his ability to get the yards after the catch and has some upside as a wide receiver five. Nikhil Harry, 11% owned in ESPN, 12% owned in Yahoo. Harry was activated off IR two weeks ago, but was inactive against Baltimore. New England desperately needs a wide receiver who can stretch the field and make those contested 50-50 catches that Rob Gronkowski and Josh Gordon used to. While Harry is unlikely to be consistent fantasy contributor, Harry still has upside in this offense. And Josh Reynolds, 9% owned in ESPN, 10% in Yahoo. The entire Rams offense is struggling, but Reynolds will be involved as long as Brandon Cooks is out with the concussion. He's a serviceable wide receiver 5 in PPR as one of Goff's outlet receivers. All right, and with all the tight end injuries, there's a few uh, risk-reward plays here. You know, it's certainly not difficult to crack the top 10 at uh, tight end. Noah Fant, 9% owned in ESPN, 14 in Yahoo. Fant's targets have definitely increased since Emmanuel Sanders was traded away, and he looked pretty darn good even with Brandon Allen under center. Plus, he's a dynamic player as we playmaker as we saw in that 75-yard touchdown versus Cleveland. While Minnesota is unlikely to allow many big plays, Fant is a boomer bust tight end two with tight end one upside. Kyle Rudolph, 35% in ESPN, 34% in Yahoo. Two touchdowns and a two-point conversion versus Dallas. There's little chance that Rudolph will repeat this kind of performance versus Denver, but if Adam Thielen is out again, he could continue to be quite involved as a pass catcher, particularly in the red zone. Tyler Eifert, 8% in ESPN. Nope, 
10% in ESPN, 8% in Yahoo. The jury is still very much out on Ryan Finley, but uh, Oakland should lead in this game, which could result in a lot of garbage time for all Cincinnati pass catchers. While Eifert only got four targets versus Baltimore, he did score a touchdown on a fade with a nice touch pass from uh, Ryan Finley, and Oakland has led the third most fantasy points to opposing tight ends, making Eifert a decent uh, touchdown-dependent tight end two option this week. Aaron Fells, 26% in ESPN, 43% in Yahoo. Fells is far from a reliable option at tight end, but he's getting a lot of red zone targets, having converted six touchdowns in nine games this year. Baltimore is tough versus the tight end, but if you're desperate, maybe Fells gets another touchdown this week in what we're thinking is going to be a high-scoring game. Yep, and at defense, we've got Oakland, 1% owned in ESPN, 2% in Yahoo. Ryan Finley gave up two defensive touchdowns to Baltimore, but even if we did not count those, he was sacked twice, threw an interception, and fumbled twice. Oakland's got a great matchup at home against the Bengals this week. Carolina, 54% owned in both ESPN and Yahoo. Outside of the tough matchups against San Francisco and Green Bay offenses, The Panthers' defense has been very good. Even without Bradbury, uh, and even though Atlanta pulled off the surprise upset at New Orleans, it's still yet to be seen whether they can keep up this momentum. Uh, Atlanta's still a good matchup for fantasy defenses, especially with Devontae Freeman and Austin Hooper out this week. Jacksonville, 56% owned at ESPN, 51% in Yahoo. If Jacoby Brissett is out again, then Jacksonville should have a great matchup against a turnover-prone and generally inept Brian Hoyer, even on the road. If Brissett does return, though, Jacksonville would just be a middling defense this week. And then finally, Dallas, 54% owned in ESPN, 44% in Yahoo. If Matthew Stafford is out again, Dallas is worth starting against Jeff Driscoll, even on the road. Despite an awful showing against Minnesota on Sunday night, The Cowboys' defense has a good pass rush and could sack Driscoll a few times, maybe even force some turnovers. If Stafford is back, Dallas isn't as good a play this week. All right, kickers. Robbie Gold not playing tonight. 51% ESPN, 30% Yahoo. Gold has not been elite this year as in the past, but he's still an above-average kicker on a very good offense. If Gold was uh, dropped this past week, due to his recent injury, he's certainly worth picking up for Week 12 and rest of season, as his quad injury is not expected to keep him out for more than a week of two, or a week or two. Nick Folk, three percent in ESPN, five percent in Yahoo. All right, let's try this again. The new, new Stephen Guskowski after Mike Nugent was released. Uh, Nick Folk played well versus Baltimore despite the loss. As long as he's reasonably accurate, any New England kicker is worth starting, given their ability to move the ball. And Young Hoku, 1% in ESPN, 0% in Yahoo. Atlanta is undefeated with Ku as their kicker. And while Carolina is a tough matchup, it could lead to more field goals and fewer touchdowns for Atlanta. The other benefit uh, to adding Young Hoku is there as the uh, creative fantasy team names you could potentially play along with. Yep, and uh, that's going to wrap up our show for tonight. Uh, it's uh, getting down to the wire. That's uh, a few more games before the fantasy playoffs, so a lot of teams uh, positioning for seeding, a lot of teams trying to squeak into the top six or top eight, however many teams uh, make the fantasy playoffs in your leagues. And uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting week. A lot of buys, a lot of injuries. Hopefully you can just scrape by uh, you know, don't worry about whether the uh, the name is sexy for a fantasy player as long as you think he'll produce. Guys like Devontae Parker or Darren Fells, uh, as long as they're scoring you fantasy points, uh, shouldn't really matter. 
but uh, just win, baby, win. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's a short, concise way of saying what I'm trying to say. Very, very nicely done. <laughs> we can. You're welcome. We can probably just scrub that whole last three minutes and just uh, you know cut in at, at your comment, right? Well, it's true. Sorry, I've got I got a little bit of uh, rambling. You know, I had to get all the words out from the week that I missed. I know. Yeah, I'm sure next week is going to be more of the same. Yeah. How are uh, How are your teams doing? Uh, doing all right, actually. I'm on pace to uh, be the top scorer in uh, in both my leagues this week. Um, so I'm pretty happy about that. Very nice. Uh, hopefully, I'll squeak out a couple wins tonight. Uh, we'll see. Could certainly use a little bit more from Tevin Coleman. So we'll see if that happens. Yeah, certainly not living up to that uh, running back one slash two sort of output that we that we tend to see, especially versus the Seattle defense. But you know, Seattle's been moving the ball despite their turnovers. Yeah, it's a primetime game, divisional matchup. Uh, crazy things always seem to happen in those, as we've already seen tonight. Yes, sir. But uh, as as always, if you got more specific league or team-related questions for us, you can find us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And I'm at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S. And you can also reach our producer, Dan, at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N, Dan, common spelling. Uh, we're available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. So go ahead and su- click subscribe, uh, whether you're listening to us on your computer or your mobile device. Uh, we record Mondays so that you can have something Tuesday morning before your way to work. Yeah, man, it uh, feels great to be back. And as always, it's a fantasy world out there, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts.